Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sherlock's VIP club. From restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sherlock's partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit sherlocksvip.com. Manchester, Zana Roberts Rassi rose through the ranks at Marie Claire before emigrating to New York as fashion editor of the US edition. Moving from print to broadcasting, she became the style correspondent for E! News, a mentor on Project Runway All Stars, as well as consulting for American retail giant Target. Adding a further string to her bow, Zana is most recently co-founder of the multi-award winning Milk Makeup. Zana, welcome to your Sherlock's success story. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be here in our room in London. I know that bed is looking rather appealing. <laughs> we literally have a full Anyway, we've got a job to do before we can think about that. Let's start with university. Mm-hmm. You grew up in Manchester. I grew up in Manchester, psychology. went to college there and then left at 19 years old and came to London to pursue a kind of a pipe dream of becoming an editor of some kind, a journalist of some kind. I didn't really know it was beauty, but I fell across a, a shoot and I met a beauty editor and I blagged my way in and said, I'll be an intern. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And she offered me the chance to be an intern and work experience, as we say here. And, and that was a look magazine. It was a looks magazine. Yeah. Becky Field was the editor and I love her. I still do. But she took a chance and she's like, this girl seems really eager to do anything we need her to do. And I I really used that background in the psychology as well to understand and research beauty more because, as we all know, they're very closely intertwined. So from your internship, you ended up getting a role as beauty assistant at Marie Claire. What had you done previously that you think got you that job at Marie Claire? I was very, very eager and extremely willing to do absolutely anything. I really believe that was it. And it was nice. I wasn't a precocious. I was very, very gracious. I would do projects. I remember one that we were writing a feature on red lipstick and I literally spent all weekend researching it, putting together a folder, printing everything out, talking to makeup artists who didn't even know, like cold calling people, writing about the past, the history of red lipstick, the psychology of it, like literally like a dissertation. I was like, this is a great opportunity. And I knew something in me was like, this is fun as well. It wasn't hard work. I just really enjoyed doing it and then handed it in. And I think that effort never goes unnoticed. No, absolutely. So the Marie Claire job, how did that come about? I heard about the job. It was swirling around the industry as things do. And we were like, oh, there's a beauty assistant job going. And it was the girls' looks. Becky and Kelly said, you should go for that. I was like, okay, then. I think at the time I was like planning on traveling to Australia to just go travel or something, take a year off. I went and met with Susanna Cohen, who was the beauty director there. And she was so lovely, so chic. I was terribly intimidated by her, mm-hmm. but she was very sweet. And I remember leaving, getting on a train back to Manchester to see my mom and dad. 
with a copy of Marie Claire in my hand. And she called me literally two hours later and said, if you want the job, it's yours. And I was just completely floored. It was like a dream come true that I didn't even know was a dream. And had fashion and beauty always been what you'd dreamt of doing? I was very interested. I was very eager. My mum worked in retail. My grandparents had a tailor's in Manchester. So I suppose it was in there somewhere. And I used to always pour over the, you know, my mum's Vogues, which she kept absolutely every single one of them. But I was just interested in reading and then imparting information and learning and researching and then imparting information in some way, shape or form. So the editorial and the magazine came quite naturally. And what do you remember the most from your time spent as beauty assistant at Marie Claire? Oh my gosh, so many things. Going to your first launch, you'd be there in a room full of really established beauty editors and say it was one that Susanna couldn't attend. So I'd be there and it would be in a beautiful hotel room and all these fabulous people and delicious snacks and champagne. And I'd be sat there going, what's the story in this? What's the story I can take back for Susanna? Like Always looking for the angle. Yeah, I suppose that came quite naturally early on because it was like, how's this going to be interesting to the person reading the magazine? And that stayed with you? Absolutely. Until today, it's like, even if I'm doing a segment on TV, like what's the angle for the viewer? If I'm doing something in makeup, what's the takeaway for her? It's not just about what we can sell. Absolutely. So beauty assistant at Marie Claire to fashion editor in the US edition of Marie Claire. Yes. You go literally from beauty assistant to fashion editor. I went from beauty assistant and over five and a half years made my way up to acting beauty director. So it was quite a speedy climb, but so inspiring, so formative for everything that I went to do there on after. You know, I learned about obviously writing. I learned about everything in beauty. I learned all the big players in the industry. I learned how to style a shoot. I learned how to call in clothes. I learned how to book a photographer, all this production side. So it was the best schooling anyone could have ever wished for. I didn't realize at the time, only when I moved, I was like, oh, wow, I know a thing or two. (laughs) (laughs) And how easy was it to go from beauty to fashion? Well, when I was doing beauty, we're in the days of, you know, 10 pages of beauty and I would always style them in a fashion way. So you'd have a crazy, amazing neon eye makeup and then there would be lots of fashion accessories, tops. And so I was very interested in that side of it. And then as a beauty editor, I was styling covers as well. So I was styling celebrities. I remember Anne Hathaway early on in my career. I think it was David Beckham back in the day. I think that was one of my first big shoots. But it was closely entwined. So when I did move, the job came up as fashion editor in the US. They said they'd seen my stuff in book and they knew I could do fashion. And so that to me was like, oh, okay, I can. All right, great. And it's quite different in the US. They have a whole market department that pull the clothes, that go out on appointments, that find all the product. Like you just come up with a concept and they basically source all the goods. And, you know, then you have a photo department who helps book. You have a model booker who books the models where I was used to being a one trick pony and doing Mm. all of this myself. So it was very refreshing. But also I had to really mind myself because I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. And I'm sure I did when I first arrived because I was like, oh, I know this photographer will shoot this. And I've, I've got this great model who will probably shoot this. And I've got this agency contact and... Yeah, I think I probably overstepped my boundaries a few times when I arrived. (laughs) And so you arrived and you were what age at this point? 26. So 26. And had the US always been a bit of a dream? Always. I loved going to New York on press trips. I remember Bobby Brown taking me there. I remember Maybelline taking me there. I would always be the first one to raise my hand in. There was myself, Susanna Cohen and Nicola Moulton, who was beauty director at Vogue and now incredible in the beauty industry. But literally a trip to New York would come up and they'd look at me and be like, okay, Zana. Remember one of the first ones they sent me on was with Mac to interview Diana Ross, which was cool. crazy cool, but also petrifying when you're like 25 and you're like, I don't know 
never done this before. I remember John Dempsey sitting opposite me in the Carlisle Hotel and just talking about the product. And I just could not take my eyes off Diana Ross's hair. I was just like, this is an icon. No, remember what you've got to ask. Remember what your question is. Remember it seems like it was not. That's one of those moments. Isn't yeah, it? totally. So you were fashion editor in the US for how long? Four and a bit years. And what happened after those four and a bit years? The idea of beauty journalism never went far away from me. And I loved the idea of takeaway. And fashion was great shooting all these beautiful clothes and beautiful models and beautiful locations. But there was something about it. It didn't feel like I was giving back enough. It didn't feel like I was giving enough information or being relatable enough. I think Girl from Manchester was always in me. And I was like, I didn't grow up with, you know, designer clothes all around me. And I know everyone in the office didn't walk around like that. So how can we help them do the high-low thing? So, you know, I would be pitching. Let's do under 100 pages. Let's do shop the shoot pages for affordable. Let's do models of plus sizes. And we did. And we started shooting real people and I really loved it I found that I was then you know casting these people women I knew really inspirational women who had amazing careers as well as look fantastic in clothes loved fashion and had something additional to offer as opposed to just a beautiful model on a set which is also very gorgeous and you moved into broadcasting mm-hmm at what point did that come along? So that was kind of the offshoot of doing all this takeaway content in the magazine. There was the thought always that kind of came naturally. And someone said, would I do a segment on it was a Today Show about fashion. It was like under 100 or 50 shoes under 50 or something like that. I was like, yeah, no problem. Went on, did it. Apparently I was okay at it because he kept on inviting me back and like, do you have any ideas? And I was like, do I have any ideas? I lit like <laughs> um, an editor. My currency got? is ideas. You know, I have to churn out new ways of reinventing fashion and beauty every week. So I would just bombard them with all these like, oh, why don't we do this? And why don't we do this segment? Why do this? It just took off. And then from there I got a contract. I was Today Show contributor. And then it moved into the celebrity world a little bit after that when I started working with E. It was good because when I was interviewing celebrities, they trusted me because of my background. I wasn't a gotcha journalist. I wasn't someone like trying to get a scoop story. There was a trust there and there was an ease there if I was doing it on a red carpet or if Kate Hudson was launching a new line of fashion. So were you... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Broadcasting at the same time as working for Marie Claire. I was, yes. And it was a lot because I was doing more and more for TV stuff. Um, I would be called upon more and more to do that. But also my job at Marie Claire was growing at the same time. And I had a team and I had pages to fill and shoots to do. And there came the point where I was like, ah, crap, i got to make a decision here. Maybe it's just time to transition my knowledge, my experience, my expertise into broadcasting because I really loved it. And it was something new and different. And how did the US respond to you? Because you know there are lots of Brits on 
TV in the mm-hmm. US now. What was the response like to a girl from Manchester, in your um, words, uh, on lo- TV in the US? It was lovely. You know, there's a definite point of an English accent will get you far, but then you have to have the goods, right? You have to have the personality. You have to have the the knowledge. And everyone was so lovely. And I think maybe coming out of magazines, editorial, into this TV world, it was very nice, very sweet. So you closed the door. You left Marie Claire behind. I did. I did. And embarked full-time on your broadcasting career. You won an Emmy. E! News, we won. And it was when I was contracted with them. So it was for all of our coverage and we won an Emmy. Yeah. I mean, was that a pivotal moment in your career? It's being funny. linked to that. I mean, you get told and then we're all like, woo, great celebration. I'm in New York. So the office is in LA. So I think the big celebration really happened there. And then all of a sudden you just get a certificate in the mail. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I probably should frame this. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, Incredible. Great. So you left Marie Claire in 2012 yeah. to focus full-time on broadcasting. And it was then another four years until you launched Milk. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that four-year period. What were you doing? Oh, so it was a lot of TV stuff and a lot of freelance styling. So I would work with an agency, The Wall Group, and they would basically farm me out on shoots, you know, and I would be a stylist to start with, then move more into the creative direction role because being an editor, you art directing as well. You're picking the teams. So I would consult for brands. I worked a lot with Victoria's Secret back in the day when they were kind of changing their magazine, their catalog, you know, the classic catalog into more of an editorial format. So I helped them turn that into a magazine. And then I subsequently worked with Target. I love them so much. They're a great client. I style all their TV commercials. I style all their print, all their digital, yeah I style like up front of each season so then all that those looks then trickle down on all the different platforms well that's where time you've got oh my gosh <laughs> um, so 2016 mm-hmm. Milk mm-hmm. you met your husband in I'd met him before any of this happened I met him when I was still in London as a beauty did editor you? and then we did two years transatlantic and then I moved to New York so for people who are listening who aren't familiar with Milk Studios tell us exactly what the concept is what the business is totally so Milk Studios was built 23 years ago in the meatpacking downtown New York. It was essentially a photographic studio. So everyone from, you know, Patrick Damascelio was shooting there from Vogue magazines to Victoria's Secret campaigns to all the biggest and the best in the industry back then. Calvin Klein would do his show there. It was a real hub. Since then, it's grown into this creative community that really lives there. So it's kind of a melting pot of celebrities, musicians, artists. And it's just such a great moment. Like everyone's finished the shoot, so we're all having a beer, drink, whatever and just chatting and it's a great like creative community and then downstairs at milk is the gallery where we show the most incredible photography exhibitions so it could be sam haskins or it could be alexi lubomirsky we just did or it could be an up-and-comer like next gen we're big about supporting the next generation of talent and then downstairs below that which is my favorite part is the jam room so this was built by Rossi and the team at Milk for the employees, really, because a lot of them played instruments. They're all really cool dudes and girls like hanging out. And they're like, let's go jam out in this jam room. It's turned into the hottest spot in New York. I mean, you can't just go and have a party there, but it's basically, it's completely tagged. It's got all drums, guitars, the whole kit. Bands play down there, like ASAP's perform down there. Gary Clark Jr.'s perform down there. Patti Smith used to record down there. Poppy had her birthday there the other day. It was, it's just nuts. It's such, okay. it's like an underground hidden thing. So, Rassi is your husband. He founded Milk, mm-hmm. created Milk. Yep. And together, you created Milk Beauty. 
There was myself, Rossi, and our two co-founders, Georgie Greville, who's a creative director, and Diana Ruth, who creates all the magical products you see. She basically turns all our nuts ideas into tangible products. And who came up with the concepts? Rossi and I were talking about makeup back when I was a beauty editor, so 12 years ago. We would email about it. I'd laugh about it, saying, you need something like this. He knew he would want to do some kind of consumer product, but he didn't want to do a studio line. He didn't want it to be like a Mac, I suppose, in a way. He did a lot of work with Mac and John Dempsey was incredible with us and he's been an amazing mentor but we always knew we had this community and they were very cultural creative street style based so it wasn't really about high fashion and it wasn't really about beauty it was just about makeup and fun and self-expression and how you can live your look and how you do makeup in a quirky way like we'd see all the different looks coming in it was like one girl with yellow eyebrows another girl with like tats all over her body someone else with a crazy red lipstick and it was so playful. And we just realized we had like a walking Pinterest page of ideas for makeup. Every single person had a different vibe. So it was really street style of beauty that we then applied. And we had obviously milk community to back it. So you went out and got these other two co-founders to join you. And this was in 2016. All this started, I want to say, 2014. And Georgie has been at milk from the get-go. She's an OG milk girl. And Diana joined just after we'd pitched to Sephora because we pitched this great idea. Georgie, myself and Rusty flew to San Francisco, went to Sephora, had this great idea, a deck, loads of passion and enthusiasm. And no samples. And no product. No product. <laughs> Not one. To Sephora, no product. I mean, they realized that we were talking about this white space that they wanted to tap into, though. They realized they were very smart and they realized we we're talking about next generation. We're talking about clean beauty. We're talking about the things that weren't really inclusiveness, which wasn't really talked about four years ago, Five years ago. So we're talking cruelty-free, paraben-free, mm-hmm. 100% vegan, mm-hmm. gender-neutral. Yeah, I mean, Everything you neutral. name it, yeah. this product takes the box, right? Absolutely. And, you know, all those things usually come with quite a worthy brand, right? So you're going to be vegan, you're going to be worthy, you're going to be clean, but can you still be cool? And we wanted to get rid of all that, like green granolary nonsense that has to be attached to good beauty. So we wanted the best ingredients with epic payoff and cool, clean packaging that you were proud to pull out of your bag. It was kind of like, you know, oh, she's got milk. Oh, God, he's got milk. That's cool. And what brands were around that you were inspired by? It was funny. We looked a lot outside the beauty industry. Muji, just the packaging mm. of that and the Japanese and this cleanliness mm. and the, the paired back of all that utilitarian packaging was a big influence for us. RMS, Cosmetics, mm. Rosemary Swift. She's incredible. She's a makeup artist and she does all naturals. You know, she was definitely a friend of ours and someone who from the vegan perspective inspired us. And then... We'd look at things like Apple and Tesla and be like, how are they doing this? How are they reinventing this industry? Because we always knew that we wanted to kind of reinvent beauty, not reinvent the girl. And what was the market like at the time? I mean, there's been so much innovation. I mean, beauty is the most fast moving category there is really. But the innovation that we've seen in the last few years has just been phenomenal. Rewind a few years. What was it looking like then? I mean, Diana and her team, when we were launching, like brand new brand, right? Straight out the gate. Sephora, One Bay. She's like, oh, I have 120 SKUs to launch with. We're like, what? You, that's just ridiculous. Like no new brand should come out of the gate with that many products. So we paired it back to 80, which is still crazy, but they have so many ideas. She's always somebody who's looked ahead. She did Bliss Cosmetics. She did Hard Candy. She was involved in a lot of like the Marc Jacobs stuff. And she's never one to settle for anything that already exists. And her whole philosophy is what's next. So even if today, you know, some people come 
not the same products that we've got. doesn't bother her. She's like in the next year already. She's like, oh, well, I was working on that two years ago. And that's one of the things I read about you, that you said that you will never produce a product that somebody else has. And that's Diana Zethos. She's like, she has a long list of no's, but one of her biggest no's is we will never produce something that already exists. Why? The world doesn't need another eyeliner. So it took a long time to master the perfect gel eyeliner. The world doesn't need another mascara. So we launched Kush, which is a hemp-derived cannabis-infused mascara, which is really great for lashes and gives you the biggest lashes you've ever seen. And talk us about your target market. You know, you are famed for your gender-neutral mm-hmm. campaigns that you launched yeah. with. Who's the target market you talked about? Gen Z. Gen Z, yeah. I mean, we were probably thinking like 18 to 30. It skewed a lot younger initially. But then you looked at the three females, the co-founders, myself, Georgie and Diana, and we were all mid-30s with kids under five. Between the four of us, we have five kids under three when we launched. So there was an element of we want to do this for, yes, an old, this like middle-aged, yes, younger. It doesn't really matter. It's all about a mindset and a person who wanted great ingredients, epic payoff, and something that was cool. Just because we're over 30 doesn't mean to say that we wanted like some old granny makeup. Life is not over in your 30s, right? is it? Talk to me about what your sales were like at the beginning. So you launched in Sephora, mm-hmm. 80 SKUs, you said. Yeah. And what was the uptake like and how did you get people talking about the brand? Social media, word of mouth was great at first. We did have the most epic launch party you've ever had. We took over the gallery at Milk Studios and we had Salt and Pepper play. Oh. I mean, it was, and then Zoe Kravitz and we had, and Licky Lee. We basically had three oh, generations stop. of killer women. <laughs> like, we were just like, bring them on in. So it was all like this female empowerment moment from the get go before everyone else was honestly really doing it. It just took off. I have no idea, rhyme or reason, but there was a definite need. There was a gap in the market and there was a consumer out there who was hungry for something cool and clean. So big name party, yeah. social media, yeah. and what, you've got someone posting crazy pictures on social media. Mm-hmm. How are the followers coming? It's funny, we didn't really engage influencers from the off the bat, because none of us really knew that world very well. And it was interesting, because we didn't even have a market director until a year into the launch. Like, I'd be sat there with Georgie, we'd be writing press releases, we'd be doing all the brochures, we'd be all in getting naming products, we'd be writing the editorial copy, we'd be doing the desk side. And then we probably realized a year and a half, two years in, that we needed a market to... <laughs> <laughs> you know, a CMO would be good. But yes, yeah, so we launched, we were in Sephora. It started selling. I mean, they were the days we'd be so excited about selling hundreds of one skew in a week. And then it turned into thousands of one skew in a week. And then, you know, hundreds of thousands of a skew in a week, which is just nuts. And that kind of snowball effect yeah. that you experienced, you think that was coming out of social, that was coming out of this demand from a customer. There must have been things that you were doing that were really getting people talking about. Well, we would definitely do content that would push boundaries. We had a video called Blur the Lines and it was all the guys of makeup. They were basically didn't identify with any gender and that was a very viral piece of content that Georgie directed and it was incredible. Blur the Lines, you can still look it up. Mm-hmm. We would have, you know, girls and guys in our first campaign kissing. You couldn't tell which was the girl, which was the guy. Straight guys wearing makeup. It was a moment and it was very New York and it was very real. You can't fake that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's either happening or it's not. And it's because I truly believe we weren't four marketers sat around a table saying, what can we sell today? Mm. You know, sat in our ivory tower. It was just like, what do we need? As working women, mums, guys, what do we really want in our makeup bags? 
And sales at the beginning were coming via Sephora, but also online. You launched a transactional site on day one. How did that go? How did you get that off the ground and transacting? God, launching a website is not easy, is it? Especially when you're selling. I mean, it worked. We had thousands of people on a waiting list for a couple of weeks before we even launched. We had this massive countdown. And then it didn't crash, which is great. (laughs) We had some great people in the business helping us as well. Because you remember, Rusty has built Milk Studios, and they have a lot of offshoot companies. So they kind of know what they were doing in that world. to the right people. Yeah, we, we lucked out. And how did you get the press writing about the product? I mean, clearly the product stands up for itself and you've got the background to know what to do and how to speak to them. But was that an easy piece of the puzzle? It sounds like it's kind of dreamy. The press was the easiest because I obviously, like you said, you know, I I knew that we we were very well connected. We were kind of beloved. Milk Studios was known. The products were eminently photographable, like so beautiful to look at. So people wanted to shoot them for their digital publications or in book. And we were trusted. We had integrity and we still do. And that's something that's extremely important. And who are your big competitors today? I don't know. I mean, if you ask Diana and Rossi this and Georgie, they'll be like, we don't even look outside. We're like charging ahead. You know, they just see the next, the next, the next. I mean, there's so many great brands out there today. I love Glossier. I love RMS. I love Rimmel if I come back to, you know, I love the old days of that. So I think there's room for everyone. Yes, it's a busy market, but there is room for everyone. Do you feel the pressure, though, to keep innovating? Because it's not an evolution, it's a revolution. You know, it is moving so quickly. Yeah. Do you feel like you can't stand still for a minute? For Diana and her team, no, they can't. They are so nimble with launches, but then they're also working on long lead launches. So they'll be working on something they're going to drop in six months' time, two months' time, and then two years down the line. You know, what's the next iteration of whatever? It's the growth of a product's incremental in many ways, but then if you want to launch those like blinding, brand new, zero to hero products like Kush Mascara, it takes a lot of planning, it takes a lot of foresight, and it takes people who are really smart and know what they doing yeah and obviously innovation is key but you also need to build up your kind of cult products don't yeah. you what are those products that are driving the big bulk of sales and if you haven't explored milk beauty yet and you were going to say right these are the ones right everyone you know i would say kush mascara try it it contains hemp derived cannabis oil as i said and it is super nourishing for your lashes but it gives them really high pun intended volume it contains hemp derived cannabis oil instead of beeswax because we're a vegan brand so we would never put beeswax as a binding agent in a mascara like most brands do I would also say try our sticks. So lip and cheeks are the best. There's six shades right now and they are easy to go in the bag. Huge fills of delicious mango and avocado butters. Then they're all blush sticks. Pop them on the cheeks, lips, eyes, you name it. And a third one would be, for me personally, Flex Concealer. It is a concealer that actually bends with your face. So as the day goes on, it doesn't sit in any fine lines. It keeps on moving. We call it Band-Aid technology in America. It's a bestseller for a good reason. It contains marshmallow root, gives it this springy texture. So you pop it on and it just stays on. You know, it doesn't seep in. And it also contains chamomile. So if you've got any blemishes, zits, spots, pop that on and it'll calm them. Sounds great. Talk to me about the success of your multitasking products. We read about them a lot (laughs) at the moment. We live in a very fast-paced world. Women want to simplify everything in life without sacrificing. So multi-purpose products that actually work are so important to us. The sticks, the rollerball pens, things that you can just throw in your bag and go. You don't want stuff that's going to break in the bottom of your bag. We have a sunshine 
sunshine oil, which is like a rollerball click pen, which is actually made from a diabetics pen. The idea of the same thing came from the packaging of that. So it's got glass rollerball, but plastic container, seven natural essential oils. You can take it anywhere with you. It's not going to smash in your bag and it's just like the perfect on the go. So things like that component was built in. I like to call it beautility. So it's beauty meets utility. So it's very utilitarian in look in texture and in feel and efficacy. Talk to me a bit more about the size of the business, the structure of the business, you know, how you're coping with the expansion. I mean, to say this has happened quickly is an understatement. You're based in New York. Mm -hmm. Your customers are in the UK, in the US, but presumably all over the world. Yeah, they are. And it's growing rapidly. Um, We launched in the UK at the beginning of this year, January. We did a pop-up in Covent Garden. We had 5,000 people through the door of those two days. We had a 17,000-person wait list at Cult Beauty where we're sold here in the UK. And a 500-person line outside the store the morning we actually opened. Literally, my husband and I walked around the corner in Covent Garden to see this line wrap around the block a few times. We both burst into tears like this is a dream. I can't believe this is happening, but it goes back to your idea of like the cult product. And on the back of that success, obviously we want to launch Europe and it will be coming the end of the year. So at the moment you have offices in New York, Mm -hmm. offices in London Mm -hmm. and Europe is next. We have New York as our HQ and we have London here. We have our amazing beauty PR here, beauty scene and Europe's next. Yeah. My gosh, it's a lot to do. And how big is the the core team? How big is the head office team? 75 right now. And that's including our field team. So they're uh, literally the boots on the street who are at all the Sephora's and they're teaching all of the beauty assistants in Sephora all about the brand. And they travel the country. And what does the future for Milk look like? Is it just lots more makeup product innovation is it skincare is it mm-hmm. so no much right no limits that's the thing there are no limits i never say no to anything but right now we're focusing obviously on ingredient stories great good clean makeup that has epic payoff and also infusing skincare with makeup that's something that's always been very dear to us you know you look at the ingredients and it's always about mango butters avocado butters delicious rices we've just launched marshmallow like it almost like sound edible but it's very important to us that those ingredients also have skincare benefits there's no silicones there's no dimethicones there's that we're completely vegan we never want to do anything for your skin that's bad it's Mm -hmm. only good stuff and that is the future of skincare it's the future of makeup and the two combined is going to be a hybrid moment what have been the moments that you've been the most proud of in the milk beauty journey other than the queue around the block that was a pretty epic moment i mean that was what have been the moments when you've gone wow this is mega exciting this is so many from the moment you know you have a grand opening party in the gallery at milk and you see salt and pepper and spinderella that's epic then you go to sephora in ohio and i'm talking to a girl a gondola who's saying she lives by milk makeup highlighter and lit that to me is so special that's as special as seeing you know 500 people line up around the block because those moments with those real people or you're just in a toilet and someone pulls out a milk makeup product I'm literally drawn to tears every time I see it or people writing DMing we got a handwritten note the other day from a student and that's to me is the most fulfilling part and you're actually helping real people every single day 
talk to me about you as a mother, as a wife, <laughs> and Dizzy. here you are in London, away from oh. your family. How are you managing it all? I mean, I know you've had a busy life, a successful career, yeah. but the pace of this, it must have come as a bit of a shock. It's busy, yeah. You know that you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with, and we have, obviously, two amazing girls, Rumi and Juno, and their five-year-old twins. We launched Mill Makeup when they were one it was a hell of a year but it's about having a great team we've got an amazing nanny who you don't realize how much you rely on the idea that they walk in at 8am every day I will never take that for granted because that makes me be able to travel to New York to travel to England to travel around the world to go to work all day and not worry I mean that is just priceless the kids are amazing. I mean, you know, I wish it was very zen and all. We all like hang out together all the time, but it's chaos. It's nuts. Like there's always a suitcase in the hallway. One of us is leaving. One of us is coming. Right now, Rossi's in Vegas doing a whole thing for Sephora. I'm here. It's hectic. It's mad. You've just got to go with it. As long as you're present when you're with the kids and present when you're in present company, I think that's the best we can do. And advice to people wanting to get into the beauty world, budding entrepreneurs? Have a very clear point of view. If you're thinking about being even a makeup artist or developing a product line, get in for the right reasons. Know your stuff. Research. Work in the industry first. Like Really understand. If you want a long-standing career in this industry, you have to have done your time, the 10,000-hour rule right you know you're only as good as when you've done the 10,000 hours and that's when you become a professional and I think there are so many amazing opportunities in beauty now from social media be it on the other side of the camera the podcast the content we create online creating a brand helping people in a store put their makeup like this it's amazing how much information and help there is out there now in the beauty world so there's many different avenues is probably what I'm saying and I mean, people always say there's no such thing as an overnight success. What's gone wrong? What have you learned along the way? What would you do differently if you had your time again, starting with Milk? So it definitely wasn't an overnight success because Rassi built Milk 23 years ago and the whole thing was built around that community and the trust and the creativity and the vibe that is there and Milk wouldn't exist without that. So to say it's overnight would be a disservice to him and his amazing Milk team because they've worked so hard at Milk Studios and it's really an epic place to be what have we done wrong or what would we do differently I don't know I really don't know I mean you just live and learn there's not one thing that I personally would change about it yeah we've made some mistakes yeah we've launched some things we're like oh gosh why did we do that did that make sense in that order you know we've jumped the gun a lot because we are from the industry so we've kind of like skipped out the basics almost but all that is live and learn and those things just make you bigger better bolder stronger just before we finish, and while I've got you, what are the three beauty rules you live by? You should not have to sacrifice to simplify, meaning you don't need a complex routine to look great and use great things. Always find a steady surface to put an eyeliner on and live your look. Create the look that works for you, not the look that you see hundreds of thousands of other people doing on Instagram. Too true. Zana, thank you thank so, you so much. much. Thank you. Such a treat to see what you. What fun to chat to you. And God, what a story. I mean, it's phenomenal. I personally can't wait to see what the future oh. holds for Milk Beauty. We will be watching with great interest. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. We'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.